Please join me in the prayer for God to illuminate our hearts and minds. Let us pray. Guide us, O God, by your word and Holy Spirit, that in your light we may see light, in your truth find freedom, and in your will discover peace. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Our first scripture reading comes from Paul's first letter to the Thessalonians, chapter 5, verses 16 through 18. Listen to God's word for us. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be Good morning, church. Well, we are in the final stretch of summer, and today is my last time to preach this summer as your visiting pastor. Now, don't worry, I'll be with you all next Sunday for our final week together, and then your regular pastor, Bobby, will return. Um, so I just want to take a moment to tell you what a joy that it has been to be with you on sabbatical this summer, to worship with you, to pray with and for you, and to get to know your elders, your deacons, and your staff. And thank you so much for having me, for letting me push you a little bit, for coming forward when I've asked you to come forward. And today, um, hopefully you should have received a stone when you came into the sanctuary that is not to throw at the preacher, but we will be doing something with that um, at, at the end of the sermon. You'll, you'll find out what that is. But if you didn't get one, you might want to go out and grab one. There's some back there, and also I have some up here, so I'll, again, invite people to grab one of those um, at, toward the end of my sermon. Um, but I pray that God has done a work of renewal in you during the season of rest, and that your roots have grown deeper in God, so that your branches of welcome and love and faithfulness as individuals and as a congregation can grow wider. So this summer we have walked through the book of Psalms and hopefully you have been able to more deeply express every emotion to God as the psalmists do. Joy, frustration, fear, helplessness, shame, grief, praise, and lament. This morning, for my final sermon with you, I want to focus on gratitude. So our psalm this morning comes from Psalm 145. I invite you to hear the word of the Lord. I will extol you, my God and King, and bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. His greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall laud your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts on the glorious splendor of your majesty, and on your wondrous works I will meditate. The might of your awesome deeds shall be proclaimed, and I will declare your greatness. They shall celebrate the fame of your abundant goodness, and shall sing aloud of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. The Lord is good to all, and his compassion is over all that he has made. All your works shall give thanks to you, O Lord, and all your faithful shall bless you. They shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and tell of your power to make known to all people your mighty deeds and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom 
and your dominion endures throughout all generations. The Lord is faithful in all his words and gracious in all his deeds. The Lord upholds all who are falling and raises up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to you and you give them their food and due season. You open your hand, satisfying the desire of every living thing. The Lord is just in all his ways and kind in all, he, all his doings. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desire of all who fear him. He also hears their cry and saves them. The Lord watches over all who love him, but all the wicked he will destroy. My mouth will speak the praise of the Lord, and all flesh will bless his holy name forever and ever. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. In our psalm today, I want you to notice two things, just two things in this long psalm about how the psalmist expresses his praise and thankfulness. First, I want you to notice that the psalmist's gratitude is personal. The psalmist addresses God in verse 1, I will extol you, my God and King. Verse 3, great is the Lord. The psalmist does not have a vague sense of gratitude. I've always found it odd uh, when people talk about feeling thankful, but they don't have anyone to attribute their gratitude. You know, like when you might be sitting around a Thanksgiving table with some folks, and you might go around and people might say what they're thankful to, thankful for, but they don't express who they're thankful to. It's usually this general sense of gratitude, but to me it doesn't make sense because someone is responsible for all the things that we are grateful for. The psalmist says in verse 8 through 9, The Lord is gracious and merciful. The Lord is good to all. The Lord is faithful. The Lord, the Lord, the Lord. Over and over again in this psalm. God is a personal God. And the psalmist makes his gratitude personal. It is God, the Lord, whom he thanks. So first, personal. Second, the psalmist's gratitude is specific. Did you catch that? All the specific things that he says about God. Verse 6, the might of your awesome deeds will be proclaimed. He's specific and he says it out loud. He expresses his thankfulness. The Lord is faithful, he says. The Lord upholds all who are falling. The Lord is just. The Lord is near to all. The Lord has done all these things. And the psalmist attributes that to God and says that God has demonstrated his goodness and love to us in very specific ways. The eyes of all look to you, he says, verse 15, and you give them their food and due season. You open your hand, satisfying the desire of every living thing. He fulfills the desire of all who fear him. Specific gratitude, personal and specific. Did you know that there is a whole body of research out there on the effects of gratitude? There was one study done at the University of Pennsylvania that measured, tried to measure the effects of gratitude. 
But if you want to see a shortened version of this, there was a group of unofficial researchers that put together a test and they created a video um, through a website called Soul Pancake. So if you're interested, go look up Soul Pancake and Gratitude Experiment. For their test, this group of researchers got a random group of people to come in and they, they didn't know what they were, the um, subjects didn't know what they were going to do. But they asked each of these people to think of someone in their life who had had a great influence on them, maybe the greatest influence that they could think of. Um, and then they were to write a letter of gratitude to this person. Well, that seemed easy enough, and each of the, the test subjects wrote happily a note of gratitude to the people that they thought of who were influential in their life. But that wasn't all. The next step, which they didn't know about, was they asked each of those subjects to call that person and to read their letter of thanks aloud to them. So these researchers found that their gratitude had to be personal. It was addressed to someone they knew and loved, not general thanks to no one in particular or they couldn't have just this general feeling of thankfulness. They had to think of someone personal, and they had to express that gratitude. In specific, they had to think of specific ways in which that person had impacted their life. Well, what do you think happened? It's such an interesting experiment because, you see, before this experiment, before they even knew what was happening, the testers asked each of them to sit down and take a written test that measured or determined their level of current happiness or joy. And then after they did this experiment, they were asked to take that same test again. And do you know what the result was? The result was joy. So what was most interesting was that the greatest increase in happiness was in the person who was the least happy when they came in to do the test. And if you go and look at this video, you can see that the uh, joy was immediate on their faces. They film the test subjects actually calling their mentors or their family members or these people who have influenced them, talking to them and telling them how grateful they, they, were, they were. And their faces literally lit up on the screen as they were filled with joy in expressing their personal and specific gratitude. Turns out the psalmist knew something that these researchers were just now figuring out. Friends, we thank God because he is worthy of praise. He is a giver of all good things. We sing it every week. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. But do you know what? God is so good to us that whenever we praise God, whenever we give him thanks, we get something from it too. We get joy. Psalm 92, 1 through 4 says, It is good to praise the Lord and make music to your name, O Most High, proclaiming your love in the morning and your faithfulness at night, to the music of the ten-string lyre and the melody of the harp. For you, you make me glad by your deeds, Lord. I sing for joy 
at what your hands have done. So the psalmist sings praise and thankfulness to God that's specific and personal and invites us to do the same thing. Did you know the word Eucharist means gratitude? Eucharist, communion, the Lord's Supper. Several years ago, I read a book by Ann Voskamp called 1,000 Gifts, in which she discovers how giving daily specific thanks changed her life. And it began for her as a personal experiment because she was in the throes of young motherhood. She had six children. And daily she struggled because there was loads of laundry to wash and food to make and dishes to clean up. And she struggled to find daily joy. And so one day, one of her friends dared her to write down specific things, gifts that God had given her. So she started keeping a journal. And every day, she wrote down specific things that she noticed about her day. And as she wrote them, um, her goal was to get to 1,000 a list of uh, gratitude. But what she discovered in the midst of that was that as she gave thanks, she found joy. The word Eucharist, in the middle of that word is the word charis, which in Greek means grace. And the root of charis is kara, which means joy. And Anne Voskamp wrote this. She says, the height of my joy is dependent on the depths of my Eucharisteo, my thanks. As long as thanks is possible, joy is also possible. As long as thanks is possible, joy is always possible. Well, all of us, I think, want more joy in our life. Joy that's not just a one-time thing, but joy that is sustained. And for joy to be sustained, our gratitude must be continual and intentional. In other words, we will keep joy if we keep gratitude. In 1 Thessalonians 5.16, as Cameron read, we are commanded, always be joyful. How can we always be joyful? Well, the Apostle Paul goes on to say, never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. The psalmist sings in Psalm 145, I will extol you, my God and King, and bless your name. When? Forever and ever. Every day I will bless you, he says. I will praise you forever and ever. The psalmist repeats stories of God's specific acts of faithfulness, just like perhaps your grandpa might have told you the same stories over and over and over again so that the next generation knew those stories. In the same way, the psalmist repeats those specific acts of God in his life. Not only does he give continual thanks by reciting these specific works of God, but he thinks about them every day, all the time. Verse 5, on the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works, I will meditate, the psalmist says. In that research study, that unofficial research study, there was one woman named Mama Hill 
that actually made a perfect score on their happiness test, meaning she scored perfectly on what she would say was um, how happy she felt. And the researchers were so fascinated by this that they did an individual interview of her to ask her, why are you so joyful? Why are you so happy? And in this interview, she tells, recounts what she does every day. She says she gets up, and the first thing she does is thank God for the breath that she just took. And then she names the little graces that she has. Toothpaste, running water. She gets up in the morning and reads the comics and laughs. She does this every single day. It was a habit, a practice, a way of living life that resulted in being full of joy. Now, she wasn't trying to manufacture happiness. She cultivated this practice, this practice of gratitude. And she expresses that she had gone through many difficult things in her life, and she had her fair share of sorrows. But what she practiced was to be grateful to God every day. And because of that, in the midst of even the hardest things in our life, God gave her joy. How do we practice this? How do we practice gratitude so that we can sustain our joy? Well, you probably know this, but we are all very forgetful people. Recently, a friend of mine went out of town and her husband cared for their three kids all by himself and he survived to tell about it. But as he was putting his son to sleep one night, the dad asked his son, did you have fun today hanging out with dad? And the son said, not really. (laughs) And the dad said, really? Remember when we went to the baseball game today and, and then I let you eat whatever you wanted? You got ice cream twice today. And then remember how we took you to the park and we played together? We read books when we got home and then we played with some new toys? Well, but since you didn't have any fun today, tomorrow you can stay in your room and stare at the wall all day long. To which his son replied, Oh, I guess I did have a good day. Just like this boy, we need reminders too. In the Old Testament book of 1 Samuel, we read about how the Philistines defeated the Israelites and stole the Ark of the Covenant. So the prophet Samuel gathers the people at Mizpah and he um, led them in turning away from their idols and worshiping the Lord. But the enemies, the Philistines, heard that they were there and came out to fight. The Israelites were so scared, so they asked Samuel to cry out to God. As Samuel was offering burnt offerings, the Philistines approached to do battle with Israel. 1 Samuel 7.10 But on that day, the Lord thundered loudly against the Philistines. He caused them to panic, and they were defeated by Israel. Now, two times before this, they had not been able to defeat the Philistines. But on this day, this day, God miraculously intervened. He heard their prayers, and he saved them from their enemies. And so, what did Samuel do? Samuel took a stone and set it up between Mizpah and Shen. 
and he named the stone Ebenezer, which means stone of help, saying, thus far the Lord has helped us. 1 Samuel 7.12. When I went to seminary many moons ago, I was living in Texas where I grew up, and I traveled all the way to California to go to Fuller Seminary. I packed all of my possessions in my tiny Honda Civic, and I really went sort of as a last-minute thing. Um, I had been accepted, but it was a last-minute decision to go. I felt like God was saying, now is the time to go. So I went out in faith. I had hardly any money. I didn't have a place to live. I really didn't know how things were going to turn out. But I drove to L.A. and found a tiny studio apartment and, um, and a roommate to share it with. But I had no furniture. I had no money. And I remember thinking about this small space that I was sharing with this roommate, that it would be so great if I had a bunk bed to maximize the space, maybe even a bunk bed that had this futon underneath so I could have a couch, and then I needed a desk so I could do my studying. How was I going to get these items? I had no money. Well, maybe the second or third day I was in um, Pasadena, I was driving around, and I drove by and saw a thrift store. I thought, why don't I just stop there? Maybe they have what I need. So I stop in, walk through kind of all the stuff that's crammed in there. Don't see much, but I go into this back room. And all of a sudden, I see some pieces of what looked like a bed. And I asked the salesperson, what is that? And she said, well, that's actually a metal bunk bed that has a futon underneath. I thought, no way. I turned the corner and there against the wall was this desk that was actually a bookshelf and a desk. Exactly what I needed to fit in the corner of this tiny studio apartment. All the furniture I needed was in this thrift store and it only cost me $70. I was amazed. And they delivered too. I was amazed. I walked out of that store And all I could feel and think or express was gratitude to God for his faithfulness. And so I took the receipt from that store. This is not the receipt, but I actually had had the original one for many, many years. I kept it in my wallet. I kept it in here as an Ebenezer to remind me when I forgot, when I was fearful that I may not be able to pay for my rent or what was going to happen in the future. I kept this receipt as an Ebenezer to remind me of how far God had brought me and how faithful he had been, the specific work that he had done in my life and that moment when I needed him the most. And I would get that out and remind myself, thus far God has brought me. Friends, this is a time where I would like you to get out your stone if you got one. And if you didn't get one, there probably are more out in the back, and I encourage you to take one um, home with you today. These stones represent Ebenezer's. Just like Samuel took a stone and set it up as a reminder, I want us to take home these stones and set them somewhere in our house, 
maybe on our kitchen windowsill, maybe on your desk, in your bathroom, somewhere where it will remind you every day to give thanks to God. And so I want you to take a moment right now, if you have the stone or if you don't, uh, envision one in your hand, and make it personal, make it specific. What has God done in your life lately? What has God done in your life this summer, this year, this week even? How has God been faithful to bring you thus far? Can you think of something specific that God has done? And then personal. God is personal and alive. God sees and knows. God is with us. God is the giver of all good gifts. And so when you think of the blessings, when you think of the work that has been done in your life, remember to praise God, to thank the Lord. God, who has been good to you, may you express your thanks to him. So hold the stone in your hand. Name at least one specific thing and say to God personally, God, thank you. Thank you for this specific thing. Let us pray. God, thank you so much that you have brought each of us this far. Thank you that you have been faithful in our lives. Thank you that you have been faithful to this church through the many years, but also this summer as we have been on sabbatical together. I thank you, Lord, for these stones and for what each of these represent to each person in this room, that you have done something specific, a work that they can attribute to your hand. And so, God, because we are forgetful people, we set these stones apart and we give you the thanks and we ask that you would help us remember to give you the thanks Help us to remember the specific things that you have done in our lives. That as we keep giving thanks, you will keep on increasing our joy. For it is in Christ's name that we pray. Amen.